Cool. So welcome back to another Courtney Null on the podcast episode. I have the lovely Anna with me here today to talk everything pelvic floor. So I'm going to pass it straight across, straight across to Anna. She is going to introduce herself to you guys. Hey guys, thank you for having me. So yeah, my name's Anna Scammell and I am a master's trained women's health physiotherapist and I work in Sydney. So I specialize in pregnancy, uh, birth preparation um, and postpartum recovery mainly, but all things pelvic floor as well. Um, And I work in a couple of different clinics in Sydney. So Bondi, North Bondi, and then I do home visits around Sydney to women, which is especially convenient if a mums have a little bub at home. Um, and then I also have two online programs, the Pregnancy Academy and the Postpartum Academy, which help uh, mums or mums-to-be um, through that journey uh, with online uh, videos and Pilates and heaps of essential education. So that's me. Yes. And we, just before we started recording, we were talking about how you're actually pregnant at the moment, so you understand the ins and outs of what it feels like and what um, <laughs> what a bit of a ride it is yes. to be pregnant and what that, what that feels like. Absolutely, yeah. So much more taxing than I imagined. So I really can feel for anyone out there who has had the all day and night nausea because I have been through it. Um, but yeah, being 20 weeks now, feeling much, much better, but I'm definitely uh, implementing what I teach, Um, you know, going to make sure I walk my talk so that everything, you know, I tell my clients to do and making sure that that I do as well to make sure that I have the best um, best pregnancy experience possible and hopefully birth and recovery as well. And it's funny that you say like being conscious of it now because I think for me like I had um two pregnancies and both of my boys were huge which is why I think I'm so passionate about like your pelvic floor health like my first one was 10 and a half pounds and he was very overdue so he was wow. like over 42 weeks by the time I had him so he was well and truly cooked and then the second one mm. was nine and a half pounds and whenever mm. I mention like pelvic floor anything to anyone especially mums they're like oh no I have no idea I've got no I just think this is just how it is and I suppose like when you mention how you're so aware of it now being pregnant what what do you Mm. think are the things when you are pregnant that are the best to do Mm, absolutely so I'm big on prevention so in order to be preventative, we need to start in pregnancy. So to see a women's health physio um, after your first trimester, so ideally early second trimester, is, is really key because we do an internal pelvic floor assessment. We go, we check the pelvic floor, um, the tone of the pelvic floor, so whether there's any tightness. Um, we check the strength, the pelvic floor, the endurance, whether or not they can relax their muscles completely. We check the ability of them to contract quickly. Um, We do a whole big thorough assessment. And basically that's so important because obviously every single woman's pelvic floor is different. Some may present with an overactive pelvic floor, so one that's held in a contracted, you know, tight position. Um, And we need to work on relaxation and down training of that. And then some might present with, you know, an inability to sort of connect to their muscles and very weak um, and we need to work on, you know, strengthening. Um, it's, It's really important to have that connection in pregnancy and that's going to really help the birth um, and your recovery as well. So the, the best thing is to have that assessment, to know where you're at and to understand the importance of the pelvic floor to to be able to contract optimally but then also relax because the muscles need to relax if you're having a vaginal birth they need to relax completely they need to let go to allow you know they are the passageway for that baby so to prevent any any issues with there being you know an inability to have a vaginal birth because those muscles are too tight 
or, you know, to be more at risk of tearing or anything like that because those muscles aren't, aren't letting go. We really need to be having that assessment and doing exercises um, throughout the pregnancy, like I said, which are either focusing on strength or focusing on relaxation or maybe it's more a maintenance thing. But some women also don't do their pelvic floor exercises correctly. Um, so we need to check the actual, you know, technique and then closer to birth. So around that 34, 35 week mark, um, we recommend doing a birth preparation session, which can, goes through a whole heap of education around birth, such as, you know, birth positions and things like that, but also preparing your body. So going through like perineal massage and how to push effectively as well. So we're really thorough in what we do. And I think to have that information is just so pivotal um, and to understand sort of what your options are when you go into birth and then how to optimise your recovery from day one onwards so we can help prevent some of the common issues that women go through that really do you know, impact their, them and their quality of life. And when you say issues, like, again, for me, so with my first, it was like there was tearing, there was loss of sensitivity, it was like everything. What yep. other things, like when you say that I'd ask your birth, like what sorts of things do you think of? Because I know a lot of the time it's like, oh, that's just normal or mm. that's just, do you know what I mean? Like it falls into that category and then the women are kind of like, oh, well, that's been, you know, palmed off as normal by, you know, that person. So this is normal. Mm. Like mm. I... And I think that's for me. I was like, well, I don't think this is normal. Like I'm pretty aware of my body. Like I don't think this is where things should be. And that's when I came across the public floor physio. And she was like, she was incredible in exactly like you're saying, like education. I was like, everyone should know pelvic floor health mm. is so important anytime, like before having, even before birth, like that's something like I love yeah. how you touched on that. Cause when mm. I say that to people, they're like, what, really? Like, no way, nothing's even gone on. And I'm like, mm. it's so important. <laughs> because, yeah, no, like you're it, saying, it really is. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're thinking about what the pelvic floor has to go through as well. So even just carrying a baby for, you know, nine months and having the pressure of the baby on the pelvic floor plus the hormonal issue um, hormonal changes sorry that the body is going through which is you know softening ligaments and softening connective tissue that on its own can lead to some issues so such as you know stress incontinence is quite a common one in um, pregnancy so that's when there's some leakage with like a cough or a sneeze um, so those issues can actually start in pregnancy um, but quite commonly we see that uh, happening postpartum, so after birth. So leakage is a, is a common one. Um, even more common is prolapse. So prolapse is when one of the internal pelvic organs, so the bladder, the uterus or the bowel, descend into the um, vaginal canal um, to varying degrees. So there's different stages of prolapse. And it gives the woman a sensation of vaginal heaviness, a dragging sensation as if there's a tampon lodged awkwardly when there, you know, isn't one there. It can feel like sort of a lump or bulge. It's very uncomfortable. It's kind of all you can think about. It, it really, it can impact your exercise and, you know, how much activity you're doing. Um, so if we can have a, a strong healthy pelvic floor in pregnancy leading into birth, we're going to reduce our chances of a prolapse post-birth, which is obviously more likely to happen with a, um, a longer pushing stage with a bigger baby. Um, so we, we do want to try and kind of be on the front foot and, and yeah, try and get onto those pelvic floor exercises and optimise pelvic floor health to avoid um, prolapse and incontinence and you know you mentioned there about it sort of being classified as normal well us women's women health physios we always say it might be common but it's not normal in the sense of not wanting to make anyone feel like they're not normal but in the sense that you shouldn't put up with it 
You shouldn't just go, oh, okay, I've had a baby. Now I've got some, you know, leakage and that's just part and parcel of having a baby. That's not at all um, how, you know, the, the body is, is made and how you should feel. There is always help out there and that's why our profession exists. So I think just to touch on some other issues as well that you mentioned is, like you said, with tearing, that can obviously lead to, you know, you have stitches, that can lead to scar tissue and then that can lead to um, painful sex, especially if it's not treated, you know, early enough. So um, that's another really common issue, you know, I see in the clinic is is women returning to sex post-birth um, and having some some pain. Do you have any suggestions for those women? Absolutely, yeah. So at six weeks post-birth, um, that's when we recommend you come and see us so have your appointment with the women's health physio just seeing your doctor or your obstetrician just simply isn't enough that we are trained in the pelvic floor they are not so we go through how to do scar tissue massage which is really important if there's sensitivity which there commonly is or pain relating to that scar tissue um, we really do need to help to break that down so we go through how to do scar tissue massage which the woman can then continue to do um, at home generally we recommend like three times a week um, to do that Um, we also it's also about kind of really bringing in relaxation because often when there's scar tissue and, and you know things are painful when you've had a baby you women can sort of clench their pelvic floor it can even be a subconscious sort of like oh I'm you know apprehensive about yeah whatever it might be but especially in a in a sexual sense so we really work on relaxing the pelvic floor if we are noticing that there's any tightness or tension in the muscles which there can be it's just gone through birth so we, um, we do that assessment so um, and go through, yeah, a lot of diaphragmatic breathing, breathing into the belly, and that allows the pelvic floor to relax as well. So when the diaphragm descends, the pelvic floor relaxes because they work together. So go through a lot of breathing and a lot of, you know, reassurance and education around how to return to sex. It's not just a matter of, okay, I've hit six weeks, you know, boom, let's get, yeah. you know, like, under the covers. Let's do it exactly that's how right used to. <laughs> like uh, do you feel ready if you don't feel ready you don't need to you need to feel ready in yourself and you need to also understand that you know you're tired your libido is likely to be lower because you of the hormone changes the vagina is drier because if you're breastfeeding your estrogen levels are lower so that in itself even if you didn't have a tear can lead to discomfort or pain with sex because of that dryness So we give a lot of education around, you know, you need to use lots of lubrication. You need to make sure you're you're connected to your partner. I'm sure you go through, you know, a lot of this as well. But, you know, have a date night, feel more connected. And the date night can just be at home, you know, on the couch, but you're not on your phones. You're you're connecting, you know, you might start with a foot rub or, you know, a back rub or something like that. And then if that's where you want to leave it for then, that that's absolutely fine. But I definitely kind of recommend partners understanding the the journey and understanding kind of the physiological changes in the new mum. So it's not like, you know, baby's out and she's back to her normal self. That's not at all the case. So taking it really slow and steady, almost like the first time and definitely doing foreplay. You want to have your body as relaxed as possible, obviously to increase your desire as well. That will increase your natural lubrication. So all of those things are super important to um, when mums are getting back into, um, yeah, having sex. But I, I think that there, there needs to be that assessment first to be like, okay, there is some, um, you know, some pain and some scar tissue there, some sensitivity. We're going to work through that first. And then, then they have a much better outcome returning to sex versus trying to have sex having pain stopping then they've got that association between sex and pain so pelvic floor can tend to subconsciously contract because they're like oh it's going to be painful and I don't want to do this and then that can sort of lead to tension tightness so it's kind of this cycle so to sort of break that cycle or not even let it get to being 
a cycle. We we really try and have that assessment first. Um, and, you know, and even post-C-section, women can have some pain with sex because their muscles have sort of had a guarding um, effect um, in response to, you know, the incision and the, the surgery they've gone through with the C-section. So the muscles can subconsciously sort of tighten up as well. So it's not just vaginal births. We, we do definitely ask all mums, you know, how they're, how they're feeling and ideally do an assessment as well. And I think that's the thing, like, and I know I see it on social media a lot because that's where, you know, everything becomes so funny. And everyone's like, oh, you've got the six-week checkup, you're good to go. And usually, like, when mm-hmm. I like when I have clients and they come in, they're talking about, like, returning to sex after having kids. I'm like, the penetrative sex is, like, the very last thing that is going to happen. There is, like, so many conversations. There is so much more intimacy that needs to be, like, recultivated before you get to a point of, penetrative sex because there's so much that has gone on physically and mentally for you to feel like you're in a position that you're ready to try this again like it's a massive shift that your body's Mm. gone through so much and I even think back to when Mick and I started to have sex again after having our boys Mm -hmm. and I done everything like done you know pelvic floor physio done all of um like just the conscious breathing like he's a breathwork coach so for me I was like okay we're gonna try this like really introducing this into the bedroom Mm. before we start anything so for Mm -hmm. me I was like this helps heaps I'm like there's just no pressure because I think when you see oh she's got the six-week check like we're good to have sex again and it's like no 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 (laughs) This is not, <laughs> this is not mm-hmm. like a, this means that thing. I'm like, yes, there might, she might be signed off to be like, okay, she's been to the GP. But like I say, like, like you've just said, like you need to go and see somebody who's like an expert in that area, which is you. It's like, mm. you can guess, like you, I, I encourage everyone to look at themselves. Like, I think that's like such a really important thing for women anywhere. Like you need to be aware of your own anatomy, what mm-hmm. works, what it looks like, what it feels like, everything to like, build a better relationship with yourself but again you only know your anatomy to a point like to have a professional look and explain to like the first time um like I had an internal after my my first but I was like Mm. oh my goodness like I've never been with a woman I've got no idea like what I'm looking at I don't know like I only know me and I don't know what's happening like how's this going to be but it was the most empowering thing ever because mm. I got to then be like, okay, this is exactly where my scar tissue is. So then I could not only know for myself, but then to talk to my husband too, to be like, this is where I've got scar tissue. So it's going to hurt on that particular angle. So let's not do it like that. You know, it still takes 40 minutes of foreplay mm. before I'm like, okay, all right, I think I'm ready. And like you mentioned mm. before, lube, like I'm the biggest advocate for lube. I'm like, mm. this is essential. I'm like, there is nothing mm. shameful. <laughs> about using lube like you're gonna need it your body's gone through so much why mm. not put out when there's like specifically designed personal lubricants for this very reason because not everyone's gonna um be as lubricated as they either were beforehand or as their mind thinks that they should be like that's nuts mm. is there any yes. um i know i'm putting you on the spot but is there any brands that you're like yes this is what i recommend to clients or this is one that i found to be particularly helpful for women returning to sex after having kids yeah there there is there's a really nice one called olive and bee um it's olive oil and beeswax and it's a really nice um like yeah gentle obviously natural um mm. product that yeah I generally recommend um new mums uh use um there's also a good one called silk as well s-y-l-k um mm-hmm. so yeah th- those two mainly are probably the ones that I recommend the most yeah olive and B was the one that I got recommended and I was like this is like it's like, it was a very different texture um to what I felt before but it was perfect like it like I'm latex sensitive too so my skin is so sensitive I was like oh my god this is just going to be a nightmare trying to find the right lube but that one was really really lovely so they've done a really good job with that lube (laughs) yeah absolutely um what else do I want to talk to you about when you we talked about um prolapse before and just like Mm -hmm. what things are common but not normal what sorts mm. of things do you see when women come in and present and talk about like how their pelvic floor impacts other areas of their life? Like what sorts of things do you normally come across? Mm. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, sexual, you know, desire and connection to their own body, like we've sort of discussed, is is definitely a big one. You know, there's women, if they have, you know, a prolapse, for example, or maybe, you know, the scar tissue or just, you know, having a baby, you know, through obviously that that area is is huge for them to then kind of switch from being, okay, this is how my, you know, my baby came into the world and then it's meant to be the sexual organ again. And I think, you know, that's sort of a big like, um, yeah, even mums who have a, a C-section sometimes, it's just there is that almost, yeah, disconnect to it being that sexual part of the the body, which, you know, is I think fine and normal and it just takes time to rebuild on that connection and like you're saying you need to rebuild your you know with yourself first and re you know reconnect with yourself and then you know reconnect with your partner so I think that definitely you know it impacts and it can impact the obviously um sexual health and um it can impact obviously you know relationships dependent on if there is communication and the, you know the uh, partner if if his male is understanding and there's you know it, the, the understanding of like I said the the kind of physiological changes that have happened so that's that's really important but that can obviously impact relationships um and I guess as well around the their body image so um it can you know this can lead into obviously kind of that the, the sexual side of things but also just their in their confidence because you know it's not just obviously the pelvic floor their abdominal muscles have stretched that you know they have weakened as well so they might um, not feel as sort of comfortable in their body as they did uh, when we have a baby our estrogen and um, progesterone um, re- there's a reduction in those um, those hormones and we need those hormones for muscle strength. So we generally feel more deconditioned, you know, after having a baby as well. And all of that combined with, you know, sleep deprivation and all the things they can, yeah, yes. often just feel, yeah, weaker and not sort of, not themselves. Um, so I guess, you know, that can obviously impact all sorts of, you know, aspects of their life but I certainly see a lot of yeah a lot of women just not feeling overly happy with how they how they look and then that does impact you know their confidence and perhaps their confidence in you know in the bedroom I had a a client who had twins and she said I I'm you know she was ready to have uh, have you know sex with her partner and she felt okay from sort of a pain point of view she had a, a cesarean and but she she had um, quite substantial abdominal separation and and she said I'm just feel so self conscious of my tummy and and I you know I I totally understood that I said you know and she knew that he you know her partner loved her no matter what but I you know I just said look if you want to wear a you know a singer or a t shirt for the first you know few times and just while you regain strength and you know I'm sure just he'll understand you do what you need to do to feel more confident and empowered and then work on you know work on that obviously that that confidence work on your strength and you know she's gone amazingly and followed my um, online program and she's done an amazing job and she's you know feeling really strong now but it's just about empowering I guess you know the mum with tools so she can feel yeah more confident and 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 certainly you know that's in terms of getting back into exercise as well Mm. and guiding them to do that because often that's obviously a way we do start to feel more confident and obviously strong and we can sort of start to rebuild ourselves and it's not about bouncing back you know I'm a big um, believer about you know the bouncing forwards into the the new you but I do end up seeing mums who are you know more confident and stronger post babies because they put they know what to do and they put in the hard yards and the hard work Mm -hmm. and they do they do get there yeah in your programs, do you touch on like returning to exercise? Because I know on one of your posts, I was like, oh my goodness, I wish I had seen this mm-hmm. after having the boys because there was so much conflicting information. And 
for me I'm a researcher so I was like oh my goodness I need to like dive right into this and when I had my boys I was still in the police force so I'm like I want to make sure that when I go back on the track, like I'm fully fit and physically strong and capable um, in every way. But I'm also, I'd heard um, a couple of like women have had prolapse because they've returned to exercise in like an unsafe way or too quickly. So for me, yep. I like research everything, trying to find anything. What do you think is the mm. most important thing? Like even when I was, um, like walking the boys I would be really careful about how long I'd go and you know who would push the pram and like you know th- these sorts of things and people would be like yes. oh no you can just do anything like you can just go like just go for that long walks that's completely fine and I'd be like well, I'm gonna stick with what I've heard from my public floor physique because I think this is right yes like what what's what's your advice like if you are like especially like interest in fitness and you you know before having kids you're so um health conscious and you love exercise it can be really hard to be mm. like okay no this is not mm. this is this I'm playing a long game here this is not about hitting pbs in the first you know two months again I really yep. want to look after and be like you know responsible with how I do things because I don't want to have a prolapse, don't want to have an injury and don't want to then have like the mental load that comes with not being able to move like I want to. Like, yes. Serious, like what mm. sort of um, advice do you have for women like me? <laughs> yeah, no, well, good on you for listening to your um, physio and, you know, also it sounds like you also listen to your body, which is actually so... It was so hard. I knew in myself, I'm like, mm. I can't even put on like my nights because I'm like, I know if I put them on, I'm like, oh, no, we can go so much further and so much faster. I'm like, okay, no, mm. we will just do what I've been yeah, trying off keep to do. It. Keep it gentle. Yeah, sure. So yeah, look, the first six weeks is a time for rehabilitation. The body is recovering. You know, we have to honor what it has been through during pregnancy and then birth, however you give birth. We need to really kind of lay down the the foundations in those first six weeks. So movement is really important, absolutely, but it is about doing it gently and safely. So you know, starting to walk and move around in that, you know, first week around the hospital, around the home, you know, getting moving down to the you know end of the street and back and just seeing how your body feels. Everyone is going to feel different. Often you're limited with pain post C-section um, and then often you are limited by maybe feeling a little heavy post-vaginal birth or sometimes it is, you know, pain in the stitches. But you need to listen to your body. If your body is is feeling that pain or heaviness, then you need to take it easy and you need to rest more. So along with doing gentle walking, we need to be resting horizontal every single day in that first six weeks. And for some women, that may seem like an overkill, but you're still going to be moving, but horizontal rest is we're taking gravity out of the situation where, you know, you're relaxed. It's you're going to um, switch on that parasympathetic nervous system, which is for healing. So it's really imperative. Now, at the same time, we are gradually increasing the walking. So from down the street and back, you know, the next day or so you might try around the block and then, each couple of days you increase by about five minutes. So we're not going from going around the block to doing a 5K walk. So, you know, you did the exactly the right thing. So it's just about <laughs> gradually doing it, gradually increasing um, the walking and also just understanding that by six weeks you might be comfortably only doing, you know, two or three kilometres and that feels good in your body and that is your limit you might be doing five or six kilometres and that's great too. Wherever you're at, you've gradually got there Um, and you've also like, you know, obviously mums are often on their own and they have to push the pram or have the carrier. But if you do are walking with, yeah, your partner or someone else, then, you know, ideally they can push the pram or carry the bub. Um, But it is important, again, just to be super aware that, you need to listen to your body 
Um, you need to make sure that you are also reconnecting with your core within the first six weeks. So, and this is what's in my program. So the postpartum academy goes through gentle strengthening and reconnecting exercises to, you know, focus on, like I was saying before, those foundational muscles. So your deep abdominal muscles, your transversus abdominis, your pelvic floor, and we're starting starting to engage again, you know, your glutes and important muscles. And I start off with the, so I've got a Pilates program. I start at week one to two when your body is feeling so post-birth, when your body is feeling up to it, it's, it's very gentle and eases you into some spinal mobility. And as I said, some um, gentle strengthening exercises, but we, in the first six weeks, you're looking after your baby, you're, you're leaning over, you know, cribs or, um, you know, yeah. bassinets, you're lifting up, you you know, change table, you've got the pram, you're still active. You know, we need to make sure we're trying to keep your little regain, I should say, strength in that time because you have lost quite a bit of strength, like mm-hmm. I said, hormonally and from obviously just the changes the body has gone through in pregnancy. So it, rather than just walking, I want women to be reconnecting to those core muscles starting core activation exercises um starting to obviously do some gentle strengthening and spinal mobility exercises so as i said when the body's ready at week one to two um i start them off at these exercises and then they gradually they're called core foundations in the program because they're laying down those foundational muscles and then they do that for the first six weeks and then at six weeks it moves to level one pilates so Obviously, still gentle, but we work on just, you know, challenging a little bit more and progressing so the levels go up to, you know, being um, to four-plus months. And I find that women who follow this do super well because they are returning to exercise in a safe way. We want to make sure that they're not... um, you know, they're not returning to advanced abdominal exercises or, you know, running and jumping and things like that too soon because, like you said, that can mean or can cause some pelvic floor dysfunction like a prolapse. So generally speaking, at six weeks, you continue your walking. You obviously progress that. You're all going well. You add in some hills and stairs and things like that. You progress your distance, your walking speed. Um, once cleared by the doctor, if you've had any stitches, you can start swimming if that's something you want to do or obviously bike riding, anything low impact. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. um, we obviously increase the strength. So strengthening is a three times a week is what um, I recommend to regain regain strength um, consistently so we do that in you can do my program you can return to mums and bubs pilates things like that so we want to do a good solid six to eight weeks of strength before we add in anything higher impact so this is obviously making sure the pelvic floor at the same time is functioning well Um, But then the earliest we add in a bit of a jog walk or a bit of a jump would be that three month mark. Um, And then, you know, again, that's gradual. So it would be adding in a a small portion of a jog um, into your walk and then increasing, obviously, that jog portion. Um, And then we go through, obviously, like specific exercises to add in a jump and then so that then you can do, you know, eventually your high impact F45 or whatever into like really big box jumps (laughs) exactly exactly so this yeah and like you said it can be hard for women to get their head around especially those who are so you know kind of exercise focused but I think when you have the education like when you Mm. you're told well if we don't do it this way this is kind of what could happen and like you said it can also be like a you know musculoskeletal injury like your hormones are not the same as they were yeah. so you might run and, and you know you you might you, you're a bit weaker in your joints you don't have that strength back yet and you, you know yeah. you might hurt yourself so I think it's just really important for women to understand why we do want to take it gradual um, but uh, you know I think every woman is is slightly different in when they will return to higher impact exercise because it does depend oh, yeah. obviously yeah on the pelvic floor but that's kind of a um a general kind of guide if you like 
Yeah. Do you ever think that it's too late? Like, um, is there anywhere, like, I'm talking extremes, like I know there's some people, even older ladies that um, are sort of my mum's friend, my mum's friend's ages. And I know when I first had the, the boys and I was talking about how um, I'd, I'd seen a pelvic floor physio and this is like, she wrote it out for me because I was like, I need this black and white. Mm-hmm. Or I will try to find a way around it because I'm like, I really need to like exercise. And yep. I was explaining this to like, yeah, so say women in their 60s and they're like, oh no, like they never had that when we had kids. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, like it's just, this is just normal. Like that, you know, you can wet yourself when you like laugh or sneeze or one of these things. Is there yes. ever a point you think that um, women get to where they can't then reconnect to their pelvic floor or they can't then rebuild that tone or kind of cut to come back from, I suppose, mm. years of not looking after it? Obviously it could be harder, um, you know, when we mm. they haven't done obviously exercises or, you know, kind of prioritised pelvic health. But no, absolutely not. It's never too late. Um, I do, whilst I do kind of specialise in childbearing years, I do see older women and, you know, I see older women who overcome stress incontinence, overcome, you know, improve, you know, their prolapse to being asymptomatic, you know, returning to more exercise that they love, those sorts of things. So you can always, you can absolutely always strengthen. Obviously, when you're postmenopausal, it is harder because there is obviously that the estrogen changes that that a decline in estrogen does impact our, our strength, as we know. So yes, it can take a little longer, um, and it can be a, you know a little more challenging. But no, it's absolutely worthwhile for any older mm. women as well to seek. Yeah, to seek help and it's never too late and it's not just something is that should be classified like I said as as normal yeah so yeah it's something that just doesn't really get spoken about all that often and I think it obviously I find it really really interesting and find it really empowering just to be like well no this is like the parameters of what you can do and this is what you can do to strengthen your body again Yes. I just want to um, switch gears ever so slightly. So you you work in Sydney, you work in different clinics and you work predominantly for yourself or you work in different um, clinics for them? Is that how that works? Uh, so I work for myself, but I the clinic is clinics work on a contract basis. So I contract um, to them, but it's still, yeah, myself. So I do get uh, some referrals. I work in a GP clinic and then a, a sort of more holistic um, health clinic. So I do get some mm-hmm. referrals within the clinic, which is great. And then um, a lot of Instagram. Um, that's where I get a lot of um, inquiries and bookings as well, which is excellent. So from educating yeah. women and then them saying, thinking, oh, yep, I need to, um, I can definitely help myself so I'm going to book in so yeah and no, I, I um I, I work for myself which is yeah which is nice how do you find that so as so I obviously have just um in the last 12 months I just worked for myself so it's completely different completely new but I'd love to know like what sort of things that you have found challenging as you know woman in business and just making it work around a lifestyle that you like yes so, yeah, challenges, I mean, obviously my background is, you know, physio, women's health, physio, so that's where my strengths lie. Um, within business, as you know, there is whole, you know, way more to it than that. Like and, a different language, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> totally. So getting your head around all of the other aspects of business so obviously all the uh, you know accounting side of it the marketing side of it um you know that's challenging I think in particularly the marketing I'm not sure if you've found this but where to sort of put your time and money and Mm. and then you know there's always a risk there's always you know risk with putting obviously money into some whether it's yeah an avenue of marketing and not getting that return or um, I think it's also challenging outsourcing as well to you know to people because you don't yeah you obviously 
you don't know what it's your baby your business is is all you and you want someone to do the you know best job but when you hire someone or get someone to do some work you yeah again it's it's a risk unless it's obviously coming from a kind of referral basis um so I yeah I find that probably the most challenging part but I'm slowly learning actually worked with a business mentor um a few weeks ago had a session with her which was fantastic you know to go right this is where I need to outsource in my business because I'm not good at doing that I tend to do it all myself but then you just don't have time for some areas um so you know again like I wanted to do uh, monthly emails and I just wasn't having the time around all my clinic work and then all the content that I do do I wasn't having time so you know, outsourcing someone to help with that, for example. And sometimes you just need someone who's been there, done that to go, this is what you need to do. So I think that would be, yeah, a big advice to anyone in business if they don't know where to start with outsourcing is to probably get a mentor to help them, you know, yeah, to know where to kind of put their... Just to have like um, that overlooking kind of like overview of what you're doing to be like, well, this is... um, you know, outsource here and outsource that because those are taking you more time, effort, and essentially money to try to work out how to do that. Then it that's would be right. for somebody else who that's their jam. They know it inside out. They know how to set it up, and boom, it's done. It'll take them five minutes, whereas it'll take somebody else you know, a couple of hours to work it out how to do it. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, it's brilliant advice, and I definitely didn't get that when I first started. And I was trying to work out everything myself, and I was like, "This is just not my forte." I do not no. know the nuts and bolts of how to do this. Mm-hmm. This is not fun. I don't know how to do that. How, how does everyone make it look so easy? So I love mm-hmm. that. I love mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Balancing like business life with soon to be mum life and you're already mum, like stepmom life, wife life. How do you balance everything? Because I think for me, like, even when I was in the cops, like I still would come home and, you know, I might still see people that I um, dealt with in a work capacity. So there's still like a little bit of lingering and you'd still like be assessing things as if I was at work, but nothing like mm. now, how it's like I can see, um, like people ask me for business advice all the time when I'm not like at work, when I'm just like at the park with the kids. It's like people are like, oh, how did you do this? Or how do you do that? Or what would you recommend here? Like, mm-hmm. How do you go? kind of being at work when you're at work, but then also mm. switching off and just being Anna when you're not, you know, mm. in your workspace. How do you create kind of maybe boundaries, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, that's that? a great, great question. Um, I, I do it now really well I because I didn't do it well to begin with when I first started my <laughs> I feel business. like we all do that that's how we always do yeah like, we'll just, yeah now we can do this and then it gets to the point where you're like oh shit I cannot mm, it's not sustainable <laughs> no. no absolutely not I burnt myself out when I started working for myself after I'd done my master's and I started um, I started my own clinic in Adelaide where I'm from and I was working day and night and I was putting so much pressure on myself and it was yeah to the detriment of my mental health so Mm. I had to really pull back and look at what aspects of you know as a real personal growth journey but you know what I need to implement to be obviously you know fundamentally a happy you know person on my own and that's really I think where it needs to stem from if your business is making you feel just constantly stressed and like you constantly start can't switch off from it you know you didn't start a business to feel that way so you need to think what do what you know why did I start this business and you need to take I think some pressure off yourself there's lots of Lots of women in business entrepreneurs do put a lot of pressure and it does, it just burns, yeah, it burns you out. So I sort of looked at how I want my, you know, lifestyle, my life to look. And I think, you know, that is the beauty of running your own business is that you can take the morning off if you want, you know, you, and that's why you run the business. And then 
you know, then you pump out some hours in the afternoon, for example. And now I'm really good at, so I learnt when I went through that burnout, I learnt meditation um, mm-hmm. and I do that every morning. And I believe that has been just absolutely pivotal in my both mental and like physical health because now I am definitely a calmer person so that in itself helps my my business and it allows me to not be such a perfectionist as well to and to take yes and be kinder to myself so I think that was really key for me um so meditation exercise prioritizing my my mental and my physical health has always especially since that burnout that has been absolutely the the kind of priority for me um and when I'm obviously when you're a happier human you are better at work you know you're more productive you've got more energy you are a better mum you know you're a better partner Mm. all of those things um I think the other you know aspect of it is like you say and just setting um setting boundaries and you know sometimes there is a bit of a a waiver of those boundaries I'm not going to lie because it is is your business but you know my partner and I for example when we're relaxing of an evening you know night with each other we sort of put our phones away and we you know, we either chat or watch something on telly together and we just connect, you know, the two of us. I think that's really important. Um, And sometimes, you know, like on the weekends, we'll go for a walk together without our phones. And Mm -hmm. I think just putting your phones away because they just literally, it's your business is, I mean, you know, for a lot of us is on Instagram. And so it's always just there. Um, and so I think that's, that's a big one, having boundaries around that. And yeah, to be, you know, being a mum, I think I'm going to have to be, yeah, super strict with that. And, you know, being mindful that I will continue my business as not as a mum, not clinical work initially, but certainly, you know, content based things. So I think it's just going to be, um, having that balance of going, okay, you know, this afternoon I'll, I'm going to try and pump out some content, but you know what, if I don't get it done or, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't happen for whatever reason, if I need to have a sleep, then I'm just going to kind of listen. Yeah. Listen to my body and have kind of, I guess, you know, more, yeah, not so much boundaries, but I think very much just, yeah, being kinder to myself in that phase of life. But I think if you love what you do as well, like I, you know, obviously there's ebbs and flows with every business mm. and every, you know, everything we do in life. But I think when you love what you do, you kind of, you know, you want to do it. So you're like, oh, yeah. I want to, you know, create something new. I think new that's or the I hard to... part. I think yes. that's the hard part when you love it and it's like, oh, I can see this gap or, oh, this is just, I just need to write back to this conversation Oh, yes. this is what I want to say. I, I definitely agree. When you love it and you want to be doing it, I think mm. that that is almost harder for you to sort of like just switch off or disconnect or yes. just not for a while. And I think like with the girls that like with the clients that I have, like that's what I see. It's usually like my instruction is kind of like, even if you're on a roll, it's like we need to have a planned break here. Mm-hmm. because yes there's momentum but that momentum can quickly turn into burnout if you don't like schedule it and have it because it's like oh no no, no I'm on a roll I'm on a roll I'm on a roll and it's like you like especially when because we are high achieving women that's why we want to work for ourselves that's why we're both we're like yes this is the boat that we want to be in we want to work for ourselves we want to have the freedom to do what we like and have the flexibility yes. to like as you say, like have the morning off or take the pooch for a walk or just go and have yep. a coffee with our partners. It's like, well, we want to have this flexibility and it can be like, mm. just, it can be really hard when you are like so driven to be like, mm. I need to plan breaks in here. Otherwise I will burn out. And I think yes. I love how with, um, with your partner, how you're like, well, no, like we don't have our phones and we just sort of have that time to connect because yep. does your partner work um, from home or uh mainly he's a site manager so mainly he's sort of visiting his various sites but he does work from home um yeah occasionally as well yeah and it can like it it can just be like that 
you just fall into that um that easy sort of trap of being like I'll just quickly just check this message or I'll just quickly mm. check my emails or I'll, I'll just quickly and if you're both doing that then the chances of you getting on that same page at the same time to actually have the conversations that you want to be having they can just they just won't happen so yes I love yes. that I think that's what I'm learning in businesses it's just even that little bit more especially because like women who run businesses like you're motivated you mm. you know what I mean like you are so successfully driven it's like and you love it like you're so passionate about creating a better you know a better world a better space for everyone to just feel more empowered in what they do yes that's that's alluring it's like yeah I want to be doing more of this like oh, mm. I can see how I can do that or how I can make that happen and it's like oh, yeah that fires me up let's chat about that and then it's Yes. Before you know it, all you talk about in your relationship becomes the work that you're both doing when you love what you do. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm a big believer of, I mean, obviously you can chat about, you know, work and things, but I also just, yeah, just think to have that time just for the two of you, even if you're not talking, you know, and just connecting, whatever it might be. But I think that that really is so pivotal because mm. otherwise it just consumes your whole life. And if it does that, then you will, I think, end up, uh, you know, yeah, burning out and you will resent it. And that's not, yeah, that's not where you want to be. So I think it is, you, you do need to have those boundaries there and be like, yep, yeah, okay, it's, you know, with getting ready for dinner like phones you know phones away or also just having that communication to be like hey I've got to quickly shoot off this email or because you know Mm -hmm. it's really important or you know just do an hour of of work or something and just and then be like yep okay and then I'll be and then I'll be present so um yeah I think that's is so so important but I honestly think meditation for me is what it, it is it's what changed things for me because I was able to actually allow myself to you know stop working and to put the laptop or the phone away and to not have that guilt because I realized that not doing it was actually essential like I said for my health so I think Mm. yeah actually you you don't want to get to the other side of that you know to Mm. yeah your mental health to deteriorate or to to burn out to then go okay now I'm going to implement some boundaries you've you've got to do it you've got awesome awesome strategies like you know meditation and exercise and things like that you've really got to do it I I think from the beginning yeah completely oh Mm. otherwise you just get swept up and then like 12 months passes and you haven't had a decent conversation with anyone about anything other than your new baby and it's just your business yeah that's, <laughs> that's right all everything becomes about and when you love it it's like well I just want to talk about this all the time but that's I so true I completely agree um and where can people find you so Instagram the whole lot that's is that the one that you are most predominantly on is that where yes. they can find you yeah it is so it's yep it's at the dot whole dot mother that's where I'm at. Um, and then my website is thewholemother.com. Um, and then if they want more information about the online programs, um, it's thepregnancyacademy.com.au and thepostpartumacademy.com.au. But all of those links are um, in my Instagram, so they can just head there. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking everything public floor and business. I love it. <laughs> and so I think everyone loves so it too. Loves it too. <laughs> I think it works yes. perfectly. Um, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.